the way you show up every single day when you walk into the office, as an example, if you have one, is 100% in your control. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it doesn't change the fact, I think, that it's in, in your control. I mean, if your kid is being a jerk to you in the morning or you're having an argument with your spouse or somebody cuts you off in traffic, these are all things that can influence you. It still doesn't change the fact that when you walk in that door, the way you show up with either good energy or bad energy, it's completely up to you. Welcome to Evolve Leadership, the arena where high-achieving leaders are challenged to redefine their limits. My name is Angus Nelson. I grew up in the United States and I now live in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm an executive coach and I've spent my career advising and training leaders from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And here's what I've learned. An old, ineffective leadership framework will always keep you on a hamster wheel, consumed with work-life balance burnout, and stress. Here on the show, each week we'll help you rethink the path to achievement. We'll help you discover new principles, new philosophies to the modern leader. Look, the world is relentlessly changing, demanding a new era of leaders. It's time to redefine your limits. So enter the arena, my friend. It's time to evolve. Welcome to the Evolve Leadership Show. My name is Tim McClagan. I'm the senior coach here at Evolve. And I am always fascinated when I connect with someone who is immensely successful in their field. And yet there is a breaking point. There is a defining moment where someone's really not happy. And today we interview Robin Daniels, who is a three-time CEO, uh, CMO and over 20 years of experience with businesses like Salesforce, Box, LinkedIn, Matterport, WeWork. But what I love about the conversation is he almost hit those burnout moments and he was able to shift and really create joy in his life, fulfillment in his life, not only for him, but his team and a happier team and a happier leader makes for a great business. So if you are hitting a breaking point in your business right now, my friend, Robin Daniels has some powerful insight to help you navigate it. Let's dive into that conversation right now. Well, welcome to the show, Robin. It is so great to have you. Thank you for uh, making some time over there in Europe while I'm back in the U.S. for mm. a few weeks. Uh, wrapping up this home sale. How are you today? I'm great. Can we swap? <laughs> it's getting cold here. I'd like to be in California right now, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, I would tell you that I would like to be in California too, because mm. Nashville last night, it was like 40 some odd degrees, 42 oh, degrees. Okay. And my little bald head can't handle that. I'm, I'm not we're talking. We're, we're talking Fahrenheit, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Yeah, yes, my, yes, my Portuguese... Uh, surroundings of uh, centigrade. Let's see. That would be. I don't even know. That's that cold. That's be. cold. That's nearly freezing. I mean, that's like five degrees or something. Yeah, that's. I want to say yeah, seven, seven, yeah. seven Celsius, something like that. Because yeah, yeah. I, I always remember twenty is right around seventy degrees. <laughs> it's a, exactly. I'm like, exactly. Oh, just give exactly. me to twenty. I'm good. Yes. 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 Okay. And then they're like, I, oh, I, I, I have a, I have a very narrow band of like temperature i like it from like 65 to 75 if it's colder than that i start mm -hmm. complaining and if it's harder than that i start complaining yeah very yep. very finicky dude <laughs> and how did you end up in, in in denmark though with that time 
or that that temperature range. Yeah, maybe that wasn't a good move. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've ever been to Denmark, it is very temperate here, actually. So yeah. except winter, the rest uh-huh. is like spring, summer, fall, amazing, very temperate. Winter is very rainy mm. uh, and windy and cold. It's not, I mean, I don't mind the cold actually. I just mind the when it's kind of rain and wind all the time. Like, if, I mean, my wife's from Wisconsin, so we go there frequently. Super cold. I mean, I think there was once it was minus 28 degrees centigrade, which is, I don't even know in Fahrenheit, but it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Your face is frozen, but it was snowy. It was sunny. So you kind of can deal with it in a different way than when it's yeah. just constant rain pelting your face. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a little hard. Now, do, do you remember uh, the Nelson twins are from Wisconsin? I do know. Oh, that. I, I, do. I appreciate your wife all the more. This is a lesson I did not know. Yeah. All right, so I want to jump into uh, some of the stuff today that uh, I just adore your trans- transparency, your openness. You know, um, that's, you know, of all leadership, that's really what we're all about. And I want to dive into some of your trajectory because you've worked with some really big companies. You've faced pressures, mandates, teams, you know, um, and, and then PR. Like, there's so many layers to all of this, but in and amongst it, uh, there's like this running thread uh, that I want to kind of tap in with you. And, and it's around this sense of well-being and contentment and alignment. And I want to kind of go back in your backstory a little bit. You know, first of all, let's talk about how you got into this world of technology, this world of uh, the Bay Area, et cetera. And then from that, we'll dive in deeper about burnout and happiness. Sound like sure. a plan? Yeah, of course. Of course. So take me back. What was it? <laughs> Two th- around 2000, 2001? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I actually have to take a step further back than that. So I come from very idealistic parents. My mom and dad were like super hippies. And, um, my, but also it was a very dysfunctional household. My parents got divorced when I was pretty young and I ended up living with my mom. And then she ended up getting married to a guy in uh, 89. And he was a computer programmer. And he kind of taught me everything that there is to know about computers. And I fell in love with technology, just the way it could transform the way that we work and live. And just kind of, I thought the possibilities seemed endless at that point. So I kind of became super enamored with it. And I've, and during the nineties, I became kind of a self-taught programmer and I started building websites for companies and, and so on. It was just like a, a really fun journey. And so when you overlay those two things, like the idealism of the hippies, which I think is kind of probably rooted in me in many ways that I'm always thinking about how can the world be a better place. But at the same time, I also saw how poor my parents were and how dysfunctional. And I always wanted to kind of rectify that, you know, like I wanted to have the idealism, but also with success. And I wanted to do well in the world because I truly could see that success is not an evil thing. Money is not an evil thing, which I think is sometimes rooted in kind of the new age hippie mentality is like this thing that they struggle with. I actually think if you can do well for yourself, you can do well for other people, even more people, because you can impact more people. And so I think there's this network effect that happens. So anyway, um, I fell in love with technology. And then when I, I could see just the crazy amount of momentum that was happening towards creating change in the world, in Silicon Valley. Didn't matter who you were, where you're from, what your background was, you could come there with just kind of your energy, your ideas, your grit, aptitude, and you can kind of make it in the world. And so I thought this is just kind of speaks to my heart. So I, when I was 21, I ended up buying a one-way ticket from Copenhagen to California. Again, I didn't have a job or a place to stay. I didn't know a single person. I'd never been. I'd been to the East Coast before, but never to the West Coast. And I came over February 1st, 2000. 
and I had $2,000 in my pocket and I had two suitcases of green and a, 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 a yellow Samsonite, you know, those hard thump cases that you had back then. I, I don't see many of them anymore. Um, and I have this picture of me walking down, you know, towards the plane with these, these two suitcases and so on. Anyway, so I came over and I stayed at this shitty uh, motel by San Jose Airport, it's the cheapest one I could find. And I, I, I applied to every job I could from Denmark on Craigslist, because of course you could still apply. And so by the time I got over there, everybody was hiring. It's kind of the height of the dot-com era. And I ended up getting about 15 job interviews in the first couple of weeks I was there. And I ended up after those job interviews getting two job offers, both from start startups that don't exist anymore. And I ended up then taking a job there at the end of February in, in 2000. And a month after I got there, the whole market crashed. And this company didn't end up making it. And I was kind of out of my ass again. But long story short, just fast forward, you know, so not everything I touched, you know, really honestly was successful. I had so many failures, but luckily I also had more successes than failures. It was fairly early days at Salesforce, then went to Box through Hypergrowth and at LinkedIn, WeWork, which was fun, but a disaster at the same time as well. And Matterport most recently that I took public. And now, of course, I've ended up this company, but it's also just such a, the reason I'm so passionate about like the steam of well-being um, and and motivation happening is because I've seen it with my own eyes that the people who show up every day who are motivated and happy and inspired they do better work they're happier they're more fulfilled and I want that for everybody. The worst is when you see those people around you who are energy drainers or they're not motivated or they're not happy. Do you think they're going to do great work every single day? And if I didn't take a step back, coming back to full circle to my idealistic self and being a dreamer. If we're going to solve some of these issues that we have in the world around inequality, sustainability, climate change, even though there's you know, lots of things happening from a geopolitics perspective, it's quite disturbing. We have to unleash the full energy and inspiration and positivity that every single person I believe has inside of them. That's not going to happen if people are not feeling motivated, not feeling supported, not feeling excited about the work they're doing. It's just not never going to happen. So that's why I do what I do. Oh, dude. Uh, okay, so I'm, I've got my notes, I've got this trajectory, and I'm going to completely like sideswipe it because one of the things you know that you know is my heart and and my backstory was one of like brokenness, addiction, and you know really kind of blew up my life. And then when I went from all of that to experiencing what I've been able to experience, there's just this incredible heightened sense of gratitude, and it's something I've wanted to make contagious for all the same reasons it's like life is too short to be shitty and yet if you flip on the news if you listen to you know whatever thing that you listen to it's just constant agitation whether it's politics or sports or this party that party and whatever else and it's created uh this vacuum in people's lives of constantly trying to fill that void with with something's going to make me happy, but it's all external. And very few people tap into the happiness internal, you know, and one of the things that I, I love to do with my clients is, you know, they come to me for X and X, you can fill in the blank of, I want this new job, this new role. I want to quit my corporate and start, you know, something myself or blah, blah, blah. And it always comes down to whittling it down to what I call the Spice Girl principle. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Because if you don't get clear on what yeah. you're trying yeah. to create in the world, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. then you can't really tap into joy and alignment That's right. and That's right. and the things that make you feel alive. And all of us have it in us. Yes. And very few right. have been invited or have given themselves permission is probably even more appropriate. Given themselves yeah. permission That's right. to step into that, right? That's right. And I okay. also think that, I think it's such a beautiful way of looking at it. And uh, thanks for sharing. You know, it's, I mean, I've, I've known this about you, but just hearing it out loud, I think it's... Uh, is really inspiring. It's also, I think, a key thing is people are not one-dimensional. I've been thinking a lot about that. I think this is where social media really kind of, I think, falls down because it pits people against each other because it makes us seem like we're one-dimensional people or humans. And we're just not. I mean, like, just to your point, I can want many things. I can want to create a world that is full of inspired, motivated people. And I can want to also have a great life for my family and a great house. And I can want to travel the world and mm-hmm. see things that I've never seen before. We, we can do, we can want many things. Why try to limit us ourselves and yeah. we instantly try to do that, which I think is a very unhealthy thing because then our world just becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And when you have happy people, they're fun to be around. (laughs) Like nobody has issues with happy people. It's true. It's true. And we have a world where people say they want to be happy, but out of their Mm -hmm. mouths Mm -hmm. comes contempt and like uh, dissatisfaction. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get this job or I didn't get this thing. And they take on this victim mentality. Like someone else is supposed to pick me. Someone else is supposed to provide for me. Someone else is supposed. And it's like, damn it. Own your shit. Exactly. And make your life count. That's right. Like tap into you. You are a badass mofo. (laughs) What do you want to do? What do you want to create? And that will create this sense of happiness and joy. And it doesn't always have to look like, media and social media and all the IG influencers make it look. It's also once, once you start blaming everyone, I mean, you you become such a victim. It's such an, I think, unhealthy mindset to be in. And that's not to say that there aren't things to to blame other people for, but at the end of the day, I always think of it this way, the way that you show up every single day. And I of course think a lot about work because I, that's the environment that I spend a lot of my time in. The way you show up every single day, when you walk into the office, as an example, if you have one, is 100% in your control. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it doesn't change the fact, I think, that it's in, in your control. I mean, if your kid is being a jerk to you in the morning or you're having an argument with your spouse or somebody cuts you off in traffic, these are all things that can influence you. Still doesn't change the fact that when you walk in that door, the way you show up with either good energy or bad energy, it's completely up to you, right? You, you, you control this. So I, I want to take that into... <laughs> your you know elements of mm. you worked with really big companies that yeah. were on some fast track yeah. you know high growth turnover mm-hmm. uh faces changing constantly mm-hmm. uh and then speed and expectation so now investments coming in mm-hmm. and now we got to produce we we need numbers we need ROI we need dot 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 so salesforce you know um mm-hmm. We work, as you said, was a bit of a, a shit show while you're there. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about, or better, don't talk to me. <laughs> talk to the, who's listening to this show right now about some of the forces that are at play and how mm-hmm. they can be content and happy and show mm-hmm. up in a place of power, even in amidst uncertainty and ambiguity and some of the things that may feel unfair. Mm-hmm.
me just pause for a second to say this. There is one trait that you will find in every successful leader, no matter their industry, no matter their role. And that trait is action. And we want to inspire ambitious leaders like you to bet on yourself and take action on those audacious goals that you see in your heart. That's why we created our 90-day accelerator. It's a results-driven, battle-tested framework designed specifically for high-performing leaders like you to get unstuck and propel you towards your goals. And in just 90 days, you won't even recognize the person you used to be. To be a part of this elite community, go to evolveleadership.org. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I think a lot of it comes back to the question that you so astutely asked. Uh, you know, tell me what you want, what you really, really want, which is one of the best songs ever, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but But it really comes down to, I think, working on things and working with people that are in alignment with what you ultimately believe to be your mission. I think there's so many books written about motivation. There's so many articles and I think about it a lot. I'm sure you do too, because that's kind of your field. And there's many things I don't want to oversimplify, but I also do think that the two most fundamental things that have to be present is that you have to believe that the work you're doing is something that is worth doing, that you're fighting for something worth fighting for. That will sustain you even in the times when things are not going well. Um, and that you're making a difference towards that goal. I think when if I had to break down motivation to the two most important factors, when I think about the last two years I spent as an advisor working with CEOs around the world, I think those two things, if you can clarify the mission to your team of what you're you're working on that's if it's worth fighting for what change in the world are you going to see if we succeed in our mission that will motivate people because a lot of things will go wrong funding might not fall uh, come through customer might be pissed off maybe your product doesn't work maybe a star employee leaves maybe something happens you know it's always things that are going to happen but if you have that i think that's distinction then the second thing of course is if every person feels like they're making a difference towards that end goal because that and again i show up every day and i'm doing my work and i feel like making a difference. The worst is when you have those crazy weeks. We've all had them when you like, Friday night comes along and you've just been busier than ever. And you're like, shit, I worked my ass up, but I don't really know if I achieved anything. Those are kind of shitty weeks, I think, because you're like, it's just kind of burning fuel without actually seeing any result from it. Right. And what happens then is you're not getting anywhere, but you're polluting the atmosphere. So it's not really a, a good thing. So to your question, I think um, when I look back on my career, Salesforce, Box, LinkedIn, WeWork, and so on. I recently wrote about burnout and some of the cases where I either I've been at or near burnout, at least. You know, so at Salesforce, I actually really love what we were doing. I, I think the culture was strong in some cases. Right? I could be it was pretty ruthless, also in like the, the sense of how much you worked. And but I always felt like I was working with the Navy SEALs of the industries where I met your brother, Marcus. I think he's one of the best of the best. I think I work with some incredible people who are who've now become CEOs of some of the most amazing companies in the world. But I was at that point in time, uh, my son was kind of growing up. I, I joined Salesforce when my son was one. And, and after a few years of just working my ass off, I felt like I was not in alignment with this vision that I had of myself being also a really good dad. And I was never, I never saw him. I would come home late. I would travel all the time. And I just got to this point where I'm like, I'm not fulfilling kind of the, the, the version of myself that I want to be. So I ended up leaving, trying to reset my life a little bit. Um, 
And then another example uh, was a couple of years later, it was a company called Vera, which is a tiny startup. I joined there were eight people, so vastly different than Salesforce. And I loved the job I was doing. I loved the team there, but um, we were selling a cybersecurity solution. And I would go to these conferences and these kind of old cranky white dudes talking about cyber warfare and hackers. And a lot of the messaging was so heavy and negative. And I just, like, I just kept thinking, this is just not for me. It's not in alignment with... Uh, how I uh, want to like think about the world or the way I see things. And, and it's not to say, I think actually God bless the people who, who do focus on cybersecurity. They're heroes because we need it. It's just not for me. And I was just, I just became clear. It's like, I was not inspired by like putting out these messages of, cause I always, I, it's hard not to play on fear when you're in that space. And it's just not something I wanted to add to. And then, and then finally, you know, what at the, the most recent example was I was at Matterport and this was during the pandemic. And in the two years I was there, it wasn't even that long. I never once met my team. It was 100% through Zoom. And I don't need to see people every day. I've had global teams, you know, all the time. But we work at a team that was spread over, I think, 30 countries. But the idea of never seeing the people I work with, it just kind of became very much. I felt like a, such a lack of joy and connection to the people that I work. It became so transactional. And I never went into work because I wanted that. And so it's interesting when I think about the times where I've been at or near burnout, it's become clear that there's a couple of different things that I need in my life in order to avoid that. You'll notice I didn't mention WeWork because even though WeWork kind of ended in a shit show, right, with us getting getting pulled through the ringer very publicly too. And I was the chief marketing officer there because I really loved what I was doing. I loved the team that I was working with. I felt like I was trying to make a difference every day. I believed in the mission of what we're doing, trying to bring community to everybody who came into our space. So I truly believe that the fact that it didn't end well, of course it was hard. It's not like anybody of us wanted that to happen, but everybody who I still keep in touch with from there truly believed in the mission of what we're working on because we wanted, we felt like we were trying to make the world a better place, more cohesive in a time when we were kind of being torn apart by social media and other you know, ways of like media and so on, just like bringing people together in a positive way that we could share each other's ideas, thoughts, energies to actually bring something more powerful to the world. And so burnout can happen for so many, so many different reasons why. And again, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do know that if you're not in alignment with who you are and what you want to become, and if you're not working on something that you find meaningful, honestly, every day is going to just kind of tear at you a little bit. You're going to be disengaged. And I see the statistics. I mean, I saw one in Forbes magazine. Uh, it's a couple of months old. It said two out of three people want to quit their jobs. And then Josh Burson, another kind of HR guru, came out with one recently. that said 70% of people want to quit their jobs. Mm. And when you dig deeper, because they feel like they're stuck, they're not learning, they're not growing, they don't feel like they have anywhere to go. They're just kind of like yeah. going through the motions. Do you think, let me ask you, Angus, do you think those people are doing the best work of their life? Uh, 100% not. Right, right? exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we need to solve this, you know, yeah. that's why I'm so passionate about it. We need to solve this if we want to solve a lot of these issues both companies have, which are very real, but also as we have society and globally. Yeah. And what is, you know, and this, this is where the, the rubber meets the road, you know, type of thing. You, you said uh, in that same uh, post about burnout, you know, said that the three things that you think are important is people, purpose, and impact. And there's a rub between how much a company provides for your happiness, for your contentment, for your showing up in that energy that's going to be productive. And then there's this personal responsibility, 
that only you can control, that only you own, that most, I, in my world, as a, a, a coach, I will speak honestly, I think most people are, are walking asleep. They're walking disconnected from their personal power. They're walking in um, acquiescing to everything else externally having to dictate how I feel about myself or you know what I'm capable of or validation through my performance, which I see all the time is if I am successful, if I do big things, if I get you know lots of attention for the company or whatever, then in some way that's proving my value and worth to myself and you know to others, mm -hmm. which is, exhausting yeah, you know because you're constantly doing and doing uh -huh. and it's a it's a hamster wheel and so what's that balance between inspiring employees to um do what you can as a company speak into mm -hmm. their lives and tell mm -hmm. them you know you're doing a great job uh whatever health and wholeness perks are there mm -hmm. and then this other side is how much yo you gotta, you gotta put in the work, yo. You gotta show up for you, yo. Yeah, exactly. You gotta go internal, right? And you said in one of your uh, posts that the last thirty years have been, you know, mm -hmm. uh, bean bags and, and and foosball tables, like external uh -huh. happiness, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, a gourmet chef made lunches, uh, well. and then on the other side, you said the next thirty years. And I think uh, Steve Cadigan, I don't know if you know mm. him, former CHR uh, mm. at uh, LinkedIn, we interviewed uh, a couple, few months ago. Uh, w the next three years is based on giving the fulfillment, the happiness, mm -hmm. you know, the whatever. We're going to serve in a way that creates mindfulness or consciousness. Mm -hmm. Those are my mm -hmm. words. I don't know if that's yeah. exactly how you see it, but mm -hmm. can you share how you see that transition that needs to be made? Yeah, I, I think I think. I mean, there's a lot of things to be worried about in the world, but I also think there's a lot of things to be hopeful for. People are becoming more aware and more awake, which I think uh, is a beautiful thing. To to, to the, some of the points you made, I think, and when I put, wrote about burnout, somebody also wrote in a comment, you know, the, the companies and the managers have to take a lot of responsibility. And I think some of that's true, but I, I push back. And I think it's a lot of it, like you said, it's a lot of it like personal responsibilities, saying no, putting up the right uh of course limits it's, it's not a it's not an easy one side or the other it's a it's a shared responsibility let me just be clear on that i think right um because of course if saying it's some only somebody else's fault gives away the power that you really have and i think it puts you in a victim mentality uh and so that's not healthy for anybody i don't think and you'll go through life that way and then i think so yes on, on the next 30 years the way i think i mean one of my favorite ceos of all time is richard branson who created Virgin and now the Virgin group of companies. And he's just a, a, a legend. And he said something that always stuck with me. He said that uh, customers don't come first, employees come first. If we take care of our employees, they will take care of our customers. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that you provide an environment for people where they can do the best work of their life. And there's so much that goes into that. It's not like a simple answer, right? It's culture, it's mindset, it's the right people, it's the right leadership, it's the right platforms and tools and all kinds of things that you have to have there. And, and you know, sometimes it's, it's figuring out, like, how do you create this moment for people to believe in the work that they're doing and feel like they're making a difference? It comes back to what I was saying. You know, the two biggest things is the why and the impact you're having towards that why. Once you have that, 
then you get a much deeper sense of personal fulfillment, personal happiness, um, personal joy, you know, the, this sense that you're actually making a difference in the world, which again, I think a lot of us want, maybe we don't use the same words exactly, but I think at the end of our life, we probably measure our worth on, <clears throat> did I actually make a difference in the work that I did in people's lives that I touched right, in so many ways. And so if companies can figure out how to optimize, right, it's not to say that external perks are going to go away. I think <clears throat> those are still going to be a stable, but I really truly see when I see the next generation of workers coming into the workforce, the millennials, the Gen Z, the alpha generation, they care much more around the environment. They ask so many good questions. And now when I'm doing interviews about the teamwork, what's the, what's, what's kind of training do you have? How do you support mental health? And I'm like, wow, these questions are so much deeper than when I was coming into the workforce. It was like, okay, they were trying to show me around, you know, the, look at the foosball table that we've got. We've got a chef here, like you said, right? And you're kind of wowed at that. Now this next generation, they're not wowed by that at all, right? And so if you have a great, extra bonus points, but that's not what they look for, right? So I just hired, for example, a product marketing manager. Uh, she's in Indiana, so a Midwestern state, and she's now moving to Denmark, which is exciting. Um, but she was just looking for fulfillment and growth in her life and career. You know, she never once asked about the kind of external perks, you know, because that wasn't as important to her. She's like, she wanted to find an environment where she could grow and contribute and learn from the best of the best. And I'm like, that's great. I love that this next generation, it gives me immense hope, you know, without all, despite all the shit that's happening in the world, it gives me immense hope when I think about what the next generation kind of is looking for. Yeah. And, you know, the industry that we're in, the point of this show and for you that are listening, you know, is even as a leader, I don't have to be the coach that comes in. You as mm -hmm, a leader can mm -hmm. be the coach too. Yeah. That's right. And when leaders can be transparent and can be vulnerable mm -hmm. and can speak into, you know, these new recruits or even shoot, man, I was just at a big company that um, had a bunch of 50 some odd year olds and they've been at the company for years and years. And even they need coaching. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, like we have to be here for each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to help kind of bring some of that out. And that's a culture I think more companies need to embrace yeah. is that mm -hmm. it isn't just so much about like the organized uh, offerings, mm -hmm. but it's this cultural internal offerings of creating that kind of uh, continuity, I guess, or congruence mm -hmm. where we are not, you know, and I've heard this say, you know, the company's not a family. It's not, you know, <laughs> you know all this different thing. We don't want to get too touchy feely or whatever. However, we are human, yeah. yes, exactly. dramatically, yes. intrinsically, awesomely human. Yes. And the more yes. that we can bring in, you know, this yeah. level of like, hey, how are you today? No, no. Yes. I mean, really, how are you? Yes. I heard yeah. you had some troubles with your family. I heard you like mm -hmm. you know, going through stuff. You good? Do you need anything? Can I support you? Like mm -hmm. these little different nuances mm -hmm. can make people feel seen and understood. And yeah. that, I think that's. Incredible. So I know you're you're on the clock here. You got to get to something. So I want to kind of wrap up with your words <laughs> that I'll read to you. And then I'm going to okay. give you the final response on it before okay. we close out. Right. So what does it take to be happy? And you wrote this. You said, choose people first, always. Mm -hmm. As much as you can, go for purpose over paycheck. Mm -hmm. Focus on what you can change. Forget what you can't. 
Laugh more, ideally a few times a day. Take care of yourself. Everything falls apart if you fall apart. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's the crazy standard. And do stuff that makes you feel proud. Robin, when you hear those words, how would you like to wrap us up? Like, damn, that, those are some good words. <laughs> but I would say this, of all the ones, right? And you look at where I've had a story career. At some companies you never heard of, but I've, I've been around the block. Um, and the thing that always st stuck with me the most is people come first always. The reason why, if you ask anybody, anybody, what do you remember from the job that you had at Salesforce, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Apple, Nike, Patagonia? They always mention the people. I miss the people. I love the people. I made some great friends. We had a great culture. It's, it's always, it's, it's uh, I mean, I've never seen it really. It's not, it, people don't go, oh, I miss those projects. I miss sitting in those meetings, you know. Yeah. It's always the people. And so... For me, I always optimize for the people. It's in by far my North Star in anything I do. And it's why I really try to be both, uh, I would say, cautious about who I spend time with because I know what a big impact it can have. And uh, when you find the right people who motivate you, inspire you, give you energy, joy, laughter, my God, man, hold on to those people <laughs> for dear yeah. life because those are the things that matter the most in the end. Come on. Well, Robin... Thank you so much for coming and joining us today, being some light and life in the world. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ankus. Good to see you, man. Take care. <laughs> Bye. As we wrap up another episode of Evolve Leadership, thank you so much for taking time to invest in you. If there's to be any sustainable growth in your company or even in your relationships, you must grow first. And it's what I love to do for leaders, to help them grow, to challenge their thinking, sharpen self-awareness, to instill an unshakable confidence, and ultimately, upgrade their sense of self. And we do this through our proprietary method called Agile EQ+, where we're leveraging agile leadership and emotional intelligence. We provide our signature training for individuals, and for businesses, we've designed a unique curriculum for company-wide learning and development. If you'd like to learn more about our training or to schedule a call, you can simply go to evolveleadership.org. And until next time, stay driven, keep climbing, and never stop evolving.